You are listening to The 945 Show on WFNULP 94.1 FM and podcasted everywhere. Local music from the Twin Cities. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to WFNULP 94.1 FM in St. Paul. We are Frogtown Community Radio. This is the 945 show. I am your host, Mike Rez, and uh, we are joined here this morning in studio by our guest, Charlie Pine. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm just fine. Thank you. All right. So we're going to talk about Electric Beauty, uh, which is your... Uh, band group that you're in uh, you have a your uh, debut album has been released for electric beauty um, and we will talk about that uh, bridge sky will not be joining us uh, today um, but uh, she will be um, back next week for sure we'll talk to kelly smith uh, from brainerd uh, and we will talk about uh, kelly smith's music um, and uh, if you want more information on wfnu please visit WFNU.org. You can also download the free WFNU app. You can listen to us uh, on there and on the website 24-7. We are streaming live. You can also listen to your favorite show on demand there as well, this show included. Uh, and this episode will be available right after we are done, and it will be available for two weeks, Charlie. So wow, people are going to be able to catch up and then also we upload as a podcast as well so it's out there and i'm very happy to announce that uh you can also visit uh, mikeresradio.com my website is finally launched and uh, you'll be able to hear uh, this episode there as well there's a player right about in the middle of the page uh click on that and you'll be able to hear uh, the 945 show and a couple other uh locally produced podcasts on the MikeResRadio.com. Um, just so you know, Charlie, I have a big ego, so I named a website after myself. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. So <You're> let's excused. <laughs> let's talk about uh, Electric Beauty. As I said, you released your debut album called Electric Beauty uh, back in October. Um, but you and the other two members of Electric Beauty have been in the music scene. Uh, for a while now. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you uh, and your two band cohorts? Yeah, we have been uh, we have been together for <clears throat> for for many years. It's uh, the band started back in 2017, um, <clears throat> but I've played with I've played with Jim and Wayne for going back well i've known them for for decades but we started playing together actually the first time we played together was in the late um very late 1980s back in 1989 uh we had a band called called short-lived band called gravy train and it was about a year before i stopped working with the jayhawks and i finally started to get decided i wanted to actually start playing music again so 
that that went on for like I don't know maybe about a year year and a half and it was also it was Wayne uh, Jim myself and Dave Boquist who went on to play with Sun Volt. Okay. Uh, we didn't gig out very often, but uh, we but it was a enjoyable project. And then Jim and uh, Jim and Wayne left and started playing with Kevin Bow in the Revelators. Okay. But from then on, I. Started just to I started just to jump around and, and play with a succession of, of of different people on and off for a long time. But prior to the late 1980s, uh, during you know for most of the decade, I I didn't play music at all. I I managed the Jayhawks for five and a half years, so that kind of was my that was the the big thing on my musical plate. Right. Now I'm gonna I want to talk about uh, the Jayhawks. Um, as well, we'll get to to that. Um, but so after playing all these years on and off with these guys, what made you guys decide that now was the time to form Electric Beauty and and record and release music? Well, that was an idea that I had back in twenty. It was like late twenty sixteen, early twenty seventeen. Jim and I had been playing together in in a band called the Tuesday Welders for fifteen years. It was really a, primarily just a cover band. Jim was playing with other people. He was the drummer for the Front Porch Swinging Liquor Pigs. Mm-hmm. That's a great name. Um, who were, they're still around, uh, but they're not, some of the original members have since moved on. Okay. It's just a trio now. But they used to hold court for many years at the Viking Bar on Friday nights. And it was really a great scene. They played all over, but the, the the Viking was their home base. And Randy Webb from from the from the Liquor Pigs was also in this other group that we had, the Tuesday Welders. But the Tuesday Welders was it was pretty much just well. Let's just get together every Tuesday, or every other Tuesday when when things would work out uh, and play and. It was it was covers and we jam and we over a long time and we developed a we had a huge book of material mm-hmm. but we never really recorded and there weren't any originals. Um, I was dabbling with writing some original music at the time, but just wasn't all that comfortable with with you know, with what I was doing. And basically, <laughs> didn't really think it was very good. Right. To be honest with you. So, um, so we didn't do that, but we, so we did this for, I think we played together for, you know, for 15 years and it was a, it was a great tradition and it was, uh, it was a great, ex- a great reason to get together with some really good people and, uh, and sometimes overindulge, uh, <laughs> on Tuesday nights. Right. But it, it was, it was a lot of fun, but after a while, you know, it, kind of started to just you know run out of gas sure yeah and at that point I started to want to write originals and I proposed it to Jim and I wanted to look at working with some other people to do this and we sort of talking about it it just seemed that Wayne was the, the first name that we Wayne Hasty was like the first person that we kind of decided, let's approach Wayne for doing this because we've known each other. I've known Wayne since the late 1970s. Jim used to play with Wayne in NNB. 
which a lot of people will have heard of. Mm -hmm. And we just have a tremendous amount of history together and we share, we just share a lot of, you know, we share a lot of the same tastes. I mean, it's, it's not like, it's not like at all, everything like that I like completely meshes with Jim and or Wayne. We have differences, but we still have this, um, we have this shared musical DNA. Nick. And it's been, um, it just made it really, it, that just made it really easy to, to pick him that he would be the right person to do it. Right. Now, are you guys different enough where you can, and I'm sure you, you obviously you've known each other for a long time, um, when it comes to musical ideas and the way songs are structured, um, how is that cohesion? Is it uh, a collaborative effort or is it, you know, there's there two main writers in the group? Is there one main writer? How does that work? Well, there's two main writers. It's, uh, it would be, that would be myself and Wayne. Okay. So on the record, there's, there's seven of my songs. And there's five of Wayne's, three of which are instrumentals. And one of the instrumentals is actually a co it was, was we co-wrote together. Okay. Uh, but as, as far as, like, I develop my songs myself. I mean, I sit down, almost everything I write, I mean, I can't, you know, say professor like for uh, oftentimes the way what Wayne always what Wayne's process is a little more actually it's a little more involved than me um, I pretty much just sit down at my piano and start start playing or I'll be listening to music and it will just it would just give me the impetus to want to start messing around with stuff and iPhones are wonderful things. <laughs> I have I have dozens and dozens of fragments and sketches that are were just recorded onto the uh iPad or excuse me, the iPhone voice memo app. Sure. And I just lay it on the piano next to me and it's just there and come up with something, come up with a phrase, come up with ideas, musical stuff. And with me, it always starts with the music first, lyrics come later. But so I've just like, you know, I just backlog. There's dozens and dozens of things. And like, for instance, that the song, the first song, the record, Cindy, Cindy's Gone Away, you know, that started out as uh, just, I came up with that and actually the lyrics for that in about a half an hour. It wasn't oh, the wow. entire song. Right. It wasn't the entire song, but it was like the first couple verses. And I still have that original little demo that I did on my grand piano in my living room that I recorded. And that was the germination of what I brought into the studio. And from there, I need, I mean, I need Jim and Wayne to bring it to life. Right. How different is it from the demo that you have on your phone to what ended up on the album? Uh, in some ways, it's not a lot. Okay. It's the, the what's on the record is faster. Right. The tempo is faster, but what I kind of what I what I sort of heard in my head, and uh, what at the time when I first started to compose it, and what the actual song wound up being finalized, it's it's just a lot more polished sounding because it's a full recording. But the the general vibe of the song, mm -hmm. it's it's if, you know, if I if I played it to you, you would definitely recognize it. <laughs> yeah. 
I think we're gonna. I think we might have to do that. Well, if we have time, we'll see if we can put that up to the microphone and <laughs> plug that in. Uh, you're listening to the 9:45 show on WFNULP 94.1 FM, St. Paul, Frogtown Community Radio. This is the 9:45 show. I am Mike Rez. Charlie Pine from Electric Beauty is here. And uh, we're going to listen to some songs off of the new album, uh, self-titled album, Electric Beauty. Um, and Charlie, you were nice enough to bring in a vinyl copy for me, and I appreciate that. I'm going to definitely add that to the uh, vinyl collection uh, that I have at home. Why did you decide to do some vinyl pressings as well for this uh, album? Were you, are you an old school? I know, obviously, physical media is something that uh, a lot of people pine for still um and it's not just all about streaming and i love when i can hold a cd in my hand or something physical but vinyl is making a comeback but it's not always done so what was what was the idea behind the vinyl and why did you did you decide to do that well listening to listening to lps has just been my lifeblood i mean it's 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 what i do it's it's the way 90 probably 98 percent of the way i listen to music is sitting down at home and and putting on records Mm -hmm. i'm a i'm a big record collector and i have been for for as far back as i can remember um so as we were and i just don't let me i'm kind of gonna switch gears a little bit sure so i i don't really do streaming and and i hardly listen to cds any longer I stopped buying CDs for the most part. I mean, I'll occasionally buy a few things here and there, but like about 20 years ago, I just really stopped. Okay. And streaming is this foreign thing for me. I it, I only started to do it because it was just a, a it was sort of a necessary evil with having to put out that record. Right. <laughs> and realizing that the most of the way people are going to experience this around the world is by turning on a streaming app. So, but I really wanted to make an album. And after about a year, as we were doing the demos and we were writing and rehearsing and we only got together once a week because Jim and Wayne were still playing with other people at that time um, in, some other, in some other groups. But for me, this was my, you know, my really only focus. And... So it was like, you know, we could only get together once a week. And we spent a lot of time, you know, Wayne and I bringing things in and polishing stuff up and bouncing things back and forth and eventually doing rehearsal, you know, doing demos, recordings. And then it kind of became apparent to me that this, I'm really happy with this music. I was, I was beginning like going, this is, this stuff is really good. And... It had a, it had a sort of certain unity to it in a way, even though a lot of the stuff is. There's not like a cookie cutter approach to the the people that hear it. It's twelve songs, they're all very short, but it's not like a cookie cutter approach. It's not like four or five songs that sound like exactly the same kind of vibe. Right. It kind of stylistically moves around, but. When you bind them all together, it kind of it kind of works. And I realized, like, I think this could be something that I'd like to put out, and I want to, and I want to put it out on a on an album. I want to put a 
excuse me, I just I want to put an LP out. Yeah, I think that old school approach is really really neat and cool. It was just a dream of mine. I mean, I just I wanted to make a record. Yeah, yeah, I like you know because it's I don't know I like holding it. You know, it's just like that's like half the fun for me. It's just like look at this. It's on vinyl. It's really nice. I like the cover. So we were talking about the the art. Um, the cover art is a uh, big giant uh, electrical uh, power line tower uh, and a lightning in the background. Um, and then on back, you have a picture of uh, an outlet from your home. <laughs> yes. The outlet is from my kitchen. Right. And then on the album itself, on the front and the back, you have the outlet cover again. And where the screw would be to hold it into the wall is where the uh, the center of the hole is for the album. So that's really cool. And then on one side, it's just uh, an empty outlet. And the other side, you got the plug-in again. So tell us a little bit about the, the cover art. How did uh, that come about? Well, I had... We came up in... Well, first of all, it sort of derived a little bit from the name of the band. Sure. Uh, we last last winter we struggled for a long time. We didn't even have a name for the first couple of years, two and a half years. I bet we never. <laughs> we just didn't have a name. Sure. And it it used to bug me to no end we, because we could just <laughs> never come up with a name that all three of us could agree on. So finally, I don't care. It's, it gets kind of convoluted, but eventually, I came up with um i came up with this name and you'd be surprised first of all it's like you <laughs> finding good names is it's tough mm -hmm. every time there was like many instances where we'd come up with something that sounded like oh that's a cool name and then you'd look it up and go damn somebody's already <laughs> taken it <laughs> i'd go to like discogs or rate your music and right just go Oh, you know, excuse my French. Shit, someone's taken it. So, um, it's um, it was just it it was uh, it was tough to find a name. So we finally found a name, and after we got the name together, and we were at that point in time, kind of finalized everything for the recording. Then we started working on the artwork, and I just had this idea that it might be interesting to use for a for an image. Uh, the totemic picture of a of a large transmission tower. So I had Wayne just do some searching and said, go, go find some images online that are public domain and see what you can come up with. And he came up with this this uh, this image that's that's on the cover and he treated it somewhat and mm -hmm. did some some manipulation to it. And then our our cover designer wound up putting the lightning bolt behind it. Okay. So that was it. Yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, now, i got to be honest. When you sent me the email and I saw the name Electric Beauty, um, my first thought, because I talk to and I, I help out a lot of electric music artists, I thought it was going to be a lot like electronic music. And then when I heard it and it was, you know, like this rock pop, it was pretty cool. So I thought it was like a nice little bait and switch there for me anyway, just because my mind is thinking electric music because it's electronic music because that's what – my first thought was because that's what I work with a lot. So uh, it was really cool to hear, uh, you know, this um, about 60s, 70s pop music coming out of the re out of the, the computer. So Oh, I'm so sorry to disappoint you that it wasn't an EDM record. Oh, no, it was great. Yeah, it was a nice it was a nice surprise. So because um, a lot of you don't hear like this style of music very it's like upbeat. You know, and it's, you know, you got the cool guitar riffs, like, trans, you know, it's like retro transports you back to, to what 
like uh, when I was a kid growing up listening to what rock was, um, you know, from like the 50s and 60s. I mean, this is what it sounds like to me. So and I think that's pretty cool. I like that a lot. So I enjoyed the whole the whole album was pretty enjoyable to listen to. So. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thank now, the album is 12 tracks. Um, and like I said, it says uh, on your uh, press kit that it was influenced by pop and art rock with the primo 60s and 70s guitar sound. So how would you explain art rock? What is art rock? Oh, God. That's uh, it's sort of a loaded it's sort of a loaded genre term in a way. Um, there's it's kind of a bit of a stumper. I have to like just give you examples of groups that sure, I would yeah, that'd describe be great. as being art rock bands. Um, Roxy Music would be a great example of of a of a I think of what a of what an art rock group is. Okay, I mean they 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 were they were poppy, but they they also had a they also had a brief that that kind of was you know let's let's make things a little more difficult. Let's you know throw a lot of different stuff into the mix uh, for the music and you know maybe try to unsettle the listener a little bit. And um, another person that I'd sort of throw in the same bag would be who's a big influence for someone, a big influence on me is early 70s John Cale. Okay. Uh, from the Velvet, his first several, few, first few solo records, in particular Paris 1919. That's, that, was always, that was always a record that made a big impression on us. Um, it's sort of a loaded expression. A lot of people think it's just music that you know, you know, rock that you know has you know, maybe classical pretensions to it. I don't think that is really necessarily the the case. There's not really much in the way of classical pretensions or uh, directions on this record, but it's it's not a straight. You know, we're not just a, a straight pop band. I mean, if you listen, to, you know, there's. There's you know, three instrumentals, mm-hmm. and there's they're kind of disparate. They don't all share the same vibe, um, and it's those they're they're not surf instrumentals, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just a it's a label. Yeah, I I like it. I like how. You know, when you talk, when I talk to musicians and you ask about how they would explain their their music, there's always one or two that pop up, and you're like, "What? Well, what the heck is that?" You know, and so you ask them, and it's just kind of like, "Well, you know, it's can't really throw it under the, your your typical label of rock or your typical label of you know whatever jazz." So they, you know, they come up with something else that's catchy. I've never, you know, art rock is that catches your attention because I've never heard um, art rock. So, um, how fun was it to record? this album with uh, guys that you've known for so long? Well, frankly, it was probably the the couple years that we were doing this, for me, was one of the more, if, one of the more, if not the most enjoyable periods I've had making music. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the three of us together, uh, the three of us together just have a great, it's like we just have a, a really, really tremendously wonderful chemistry. And as we're as we're doing the tracking, uh, 
and and working on you know so portions of songs and sections and rehearsing and then tracking and then listening to playbacks you know we we sort of listen to the stuff and be you know constantly like constantly sort of amazed like and surprised pleasantly surprised by what we were doing and it was like whoa this is this is very cool and <laughs> there was a lot of there's just a lot of joy to it right um because we can we've had so much so much time together that we can almost at times sort of musically and verbally like finish our own sentences and i mean i don't think there's anything on the record that is like where we where we could point to and go oh um they they somebody really lifted like blatantly lifted something from from another song right but there's there's no doubt that there's there's times when you you could like listen to the record and, and go it it evokes something or it's like where have i kind of heard that what what i'm get, i guess what i'm getting to is um we're just really good at covering our tracks for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean so you're probably influenced by a lot of different groups yeah. then too then yeah so when we're so when we're when we're quote unquote borrowing stuff, we're just really <laughs> sneaky about how we sure. do it. We're really sneaky about how we do it. You know, change the tempos <laughs> and the keys and stuff and just like slow it down or speed it up, something like that. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, let's talk about uh, you were a producer for the Jayhawks um, for five years, five and a half years. Um, how how did you get in uh, into that gig and and producing and managing for the Jayhawks? Oh, well, that's kind of a long story. <laughs> <clears throat> so I'll try to give it, make it really short because I don't want this to get into like a really long diatribe about the Jayhawks. Sure. But I I knew it started with a friendship that I had with, uh, with Gary Loris, who I'd known since the mid-'70s, and followed him in a band, uh, in the early eighties that Jim Tallisford used to be in. That was at the time, I think, you know, really kind of the preeminent rockabilly band in the twin cities, which is safety last. And that was together for, um, they were actually together before Gary joined with the other guitar player, Tim Mosseth, who actually, Tim actually also, also played in the Tuesday Welders. So it, you can see it's just like this in big incestuous family. Um, but I got involved with, with the Jayhawks because of Gary in the middle of 1985, uh, I had been seeing the band when they were doing their early shows, and I was just really, really taken by them. First, I wasn't that that into a lot of the stuff that everybody raves about on the indie scene in the in the early 80s, and like I only saw the replacements a couple times. Okay, and this is gonna, you know, probably not endear me to a lot of people, but every of the times I saw the replacements, I just thought they, they were just, it, it was just a really, they were just really sloppy. And I wasn't very impressed with them as a live, you know, as a live, live band. And the music I was listening to at the time, I wasn't listening to like a lot of, of indie quote, you know, local indie rock. I was listening to more blues and soul. I'd kind of moved on. I was like exploring blues and soul and jazz and, and country and stuff that wasn't in the in that stuff and the Jayhawks were 
they were this really, they were just the, this group that was just this outlier. It didn't sound like anything else at that time. And, and the songs and, and, and Mark Olson's writing was, I was re- really taken by the quality of his writing early, even really early on. But I wound up just getting together with them in the summer of 85. And I could, this starts to become a long story, but it's, it, one thing led to another and I started managing them. Okay. And from there, um, about a year, the, the first record came out in, in September of 86. The interesting thing about that is, you know, from the time that we started recording that record to when it was released, it was only seven months. Well, that's the, not very long at all. The, this Electric Beauty record has taken years to come right. out. <laughs> it's such a, a different dynamic, right? I mean, oh, you yeah. think back to some of the records that you've been a part of, you're like, oh, yeah, this took forever. <laughs> but in comparison, I mean, it takes a while to get the recording and the mixing and the mastering and getting it out and all that stuff. It's not like a two-week process, you know, but seven months doesn't seem like a long time no. at all. So, and And I was really... I mean, the Jayhawks were something that was, I, it was, they were very important to me. I was just, I was very, very committed to them as, you know, as just the conception and, and what the music was about and, and where I thought that they could go and where, you know, where I hopefully things could lead for the group. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very gratified that I would have never have guessed if somebody had told me, you know, 20 years ago or something, that the band would still be together, and it's almost 40 years later. Right. I mean, that's just, I just am amazed. I mean, they've gone through a number of, it's not the same original members any longer, and they've, there's been permutations, but it's, I think it's, it's quite an accomplishment that they've stuck to, you know, they've stuck to it. And right. they're still going after forty years. Yeah, because that's it's like unheard of. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a great and it's a really great body of work. It's 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 mostly a really great body of work that they've left behind. Right. All right. So this album, uh, Electric Beauty's album, um, was recorded and produced at Gold Sky Gold Sky Studio in Minneapolis. So Jim engineered it, um, and then you and Tom Herbers mixed it. Um, Greg Ryerson mastered it, so you had like your whole team of, of uh, you know, chefs in the kitchen doing their stuff. So, is it hard to play multiple roles when it comes to being a musician and then working behind the scenes on the album? Um, is, what's the dynamic there? Do you have to separate the musician part of you and then like the behind the scenes part of you when you're um, starting to mix it, or are you able to to do certain things as a musician while you're recording it because you know how it on the backside, what you have to do to, to make it work. Well, when it comes to the engineering, that was all Jim. Okay. Okay. So as far as twisting knobs and making all the settings and everything that goes into the actual nuts and bolts of putting the music onto, in this case, it was done on pro tools, all of that. I mean, that's, that was all Jim's. That was, that was all in, that was all what Jim's were, I mean, contribution sure i mean to me that's that's like a foreign language to me yeah i don't even yeah. want to learn it's like i look at things like pro tools and i go ah i don't even i don't want to learn this <laughs> yeah i mean my editing software that we're using here to record this this is about as technical as i get 
when it comes to that. So I hear you on the Pro Tools. And I've never had a I've never had a desire to get into you know trying to record and do computer based music. So that's where I'm like reliant on having to use. I mean, I I just could not sit down even though I've got a, a number of keyboards at home and stuff like that. And if I if I had the knowledge base to do it, I could do it. But mm-hmm. just the process aspect of doing it, and you know, concocting a a one-man generated record in my in my music room isn't really what I want. I I, I need to have the I need to have the the give and take in the chemistry of being in a room with people, right? And and making the music together, and just the the laughter and and, and being able to look at people in the eye. Right. And just having them around <laughs> to do it. That's 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 what it's all about for me. It's yeah. not just this isolated solo experience. So Jim did, yeah, Jim made Jim did all the engineering and Tom and Tom Herbers and I, Jim helped somewhat with the mixing, but it was mostly uh Tom Herbers and myself. Um and that that took took a few months. But a lot of the technical stuff, I mean the back end of it, the the things that takes a long time is, you know, stuff like the the distribution and having to learn the 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 brave new world of what what, what it's like dis- distributing a record in, in in the 21st century on all of these different platforms versus what it was like when I made was making the first couple Jayhawks records back in the late 1980s. Right. Was that a lot of like feet on the ground and going to record stores and asking them to to sell the record. I mean, like versus today, you said you just throw it on a streaming site and it's available to everyone. But you've got the physical media. Uh, is getting them into stores is that still kind of the same? Oh, I still knocking on doors. I still had to do that. It's yeah. in, it's in Twin <laughs> Cities. Right. I went to like probably almost twenty. I think personally went to like twenty Twin Cities record stores with the record. Nice. Last last fall. I mean, a lot of these people know me. Some don't, but right. I mean, or they, if they didn't know me, they knew of me. Right. And said, "Hi, here. Would you please carry our record? <laughs> I'll get done on my hands and knees. What do you need?" You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and and the CDs, um, and it's also out on Amazon. Uh, but there's yeah, there's it's it's a complicated it's a complicated process. And having to, having to do the having to learn the, the the stuff that went to for doing the streaming, I'd never done that before, and the up and um, the platforms that you that you have to use for that is it's that was that was a bit of a learning curve. Yeah, yeah. It seems like with uh, even with distribution companies that'll do it for you, it even that seems kind of like it it's a lot of work to to get it done. So, but um, someone on my end who streams it i know it's available in a lot of different areas for us it's easy but i'm sure on the back end it's (laughs) there's you know when you're first when you're an artist uh putting out an album for the first time it's probably got to be a like you said a steep learning curve for sure um now we're going to listen to a couple of the songs here in just a little bit um but like you mentioned before that a lot of these songs were written uh years ago like between 2017 and 2019 uh, and one was written in 2016, and that was uh, "Lonely on Top." Um, no, lo- lonely at the top. Lonely, lonely. at the top. Oh <laughs> but gosh! Maybe we should change that yeah. to "Lonely on Top." <laughs> well, that's my apologies. I think I was lo- must have been looking really fast as I was typing this. Darn! So. I think maybe I should change the name. <laughs> that's 
sounds better. Right, yeah. No. <laughs> you can uh then you have your all the albums that are already uh printed and can be the the uh the collectors items now. Um and you're talking about um having all of your your songs on on your iPhone now and I always I I ask artists, you know, about the notebook, the writing notebook. Um but there's probably not a lot of of notebooks anymore with the with your phones being able to uh record um everything as a as a voice note or or some kind of note on your on your phone um do you still have like writing notebooks like from back in the old days you know of songs that haven't seen the light of day yet uh some stuff yeah i mean i have some notebooks with with uh my sub notebooks with lyrics and things like that sure because that's always the that's always the second stage for me okay like most of what most of what is on my most of the the recording memo app things that are on my phone are musical fragments okay and then there will be i mean maybe half the things have have some vocals on them but there's lots and lots of stuff on my phone that are just still musical sketches that need to be taken to the next step sure i like that you call them sketches it's like a t- like a really cool i've never heard anyone call that you refer to their songs as sketches before but you think about it it's like painting pictures you know with words and stuff so people always get transported or can picture certain things during songs so some of them get deleted fast too (laughs) see i think we need to get an album of the deleted stuff (laughs) i think that's what artists need to start doing just put it put it somewhere where you, you where you know you're going to delete it but then you know just release that it could be like the deleted sessions or something like that <laughs> so. you can't escape it anymore anyway everything just winds up on it, everything winds up somewhere on the internet anyway so right yeah <laughs> okay so we have uh three songs off of the electric beauty album uh we're going to hear Cindy's gone away um we played this uh about a month ago uh on this show but we're going to play it again uh here I, I really like the song uh, something for no one will be the next one and then modern lovers as well um, and then when we come back we'll talk about each one of those and then are you ready to do your weather debut on, on oh, frogtown community radio yes i'm so excited about that all right you're listening to the 945 show on frogtown community radio <laughs>
Charlie Pine from Electric Beauty in studio. Before that, uh, we heard something for no one. And to start us off, it was Cindy's Gone Away. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, each song or those songs. Uh, You can lump them all up into one answer, or if you want to break them down into each song. Kind of curious about uh, Cindy's Gone Away uh, to begin with. is Cindy a real person? Did she come back? Um, or was this just uh, uh, the <laughs> song about a, a fictitious person that was leaving? I get asked about this. <laughs> uh, no, it's not about it. It's not about a specific person. Okay. Um, th- it's it's more it's more generalized. So it I'm not even really sure anymore how how i how i came up where i decided to use the name cindy but um no it's not somebody that it wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't a woman named cindy who, who 
who crushed me, you know, or anything. And, <laughs> and Split Town, it, right. it's not that. It's okay. Not about that. As a matter of fact, most of my, almost every, almost everything I write now, I, I, I really try to not write songs in the first person. Okay. That was one of my shortcomings when I was trying to write, say, like 20 years ago when I was first writing. Sure. Everything seemed to be like, like about, like, in the first, written in the first person. And I discovered when I, when I started getting in this writing binge back in, like, 2016, 2017, and through this period of time, I tried to, like, write, I tried to write in the third person um, as m- more of an observer and that that really clicked and worked for me lyrically because I was always kind of suffering from writer's block a lot of times with lyrics mm-hmm. and that kind of unlocked a door for me so this song is not really it's not so much about me I think it's just something that's um, I think there's kind of more of a universal f- you know feel to it something like a People can, many people could just listen to this and sort of have a, relate to it in their own way. Sure. Yeah. I know when you, like I said, when you listen to it, you just, you know, it's like, oh man, that's too bad. Cindy left. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. I don't know where she is. <laughs> She's somewhere out there. Um, something for no one. Um, that's the instrumental. Um, so there's like no words to be like, oh, so what, what does this mean? And what does that mean? But, um. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that one. Well, this one is Wayne's. This is one of Wayne's instrumentals. And it is, there's, there's, there's a lot, there's quite a bit going on underneath the surface of this song. There's, um, Wayne's pretty, Wayne's quite meticulous um, and directed in, in how he, in the, the vision of, of what he does with the instrumentals. That he that he has, um, and he's been doing instrumentals for kind of for for a long time. Uh, but this this song was was developed. It's just something he brought in, and he there's oh, I don't know. I think there's there's three or four. There's a I think there's there's probably four separate guitar tracks on this song. Okay, that kind of interweave together. And it, there is an aspect of a couple of the instrumentals on this record that sort of uh, harken back to the uh, Berlin David Bowie's Berlin period, but I don't think they're like I mean I don't think they're like Shameless Steals, but there's they kind of evoke a little bit of that song. Sure. Of excuse me of that sound. There's this this one, and then there's another one on this uh, on the second side called the Awakening, that also kind of has a a bit of that um, um, you know Heroes instrumental low album kind of vibe to it. And then Modern Lovers, that one's catchy. That one that when I when I first heard that that song stuck in my head for like a day or two and now I've heard it again and that's all that's playing in my head right now is should I Modern should, Lovers. should that be the next single 
I, it should be. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, if I have a vote, yes, I vote Modern Lovers. All right. So I maybe have to do an online poll for this one. <laughs> Yeah. Right now I'm, because right now I'm actually thinking about that. There's a very strong, it, it looks like that's the front runner for the next single, everybody out there in Radio Lab. <laughs> uh, what, uh, what was the, uh, the motivation behind Modern Lovers when you wrote that one? Oh, do I have to talk about like what my songs mean? <laughs> you can just give us like the very, you know, aerial view of what it means. Okay. Well, this is just... This is a very deep commentary about the the state of affairs of romance across the world. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, it's now time, Charlie. I know you've been uh, waiting to do this all week, um, and it's a favorite of everybody's around here. It is now time for the WFNULP Out the Window Weather Report. All right, so it is just as it sounds, Charlie. All you have to do is look out the window and tell our listeners what's going on out there. Everybody in Radio Land, it's extremely gray today here. It's another gray January day out the window of WNFU. And it appears that it's going to stay like this for the rest of the day. And I won't be surprised if it continues like this for another oh, four, <laughs> five, six days. <laughs> um, so I'm not certain like when the next time the sun is going to sh- come out again. And it's one of, those, one of those days where I'm thinking, why do I live in Minnesota? Because I'd really like to see more sun. <laughs> But it's great. But it's not that cold out. So, and there are some, there are some, uh, oh, there's somebody outside that looks like they want to do some wheelies in the, or excuse me, donuts in the Sears Park, or the Sears parking lot right now. Yeah. So we, uh, we currently, Charlie, you can't see the car just below us, but there's, uh, there's two cars out there right now. And there's a lot of donuts that have already been done. That's kind of the fun part about winter here at WFNU when you look out the window. And it's freshly snowed. You can see everybody that's done donuts out this there. This looks like it would be a great parking lot for a driver's ed class. It that happens too. There's a lot of people in the summer that will uh, practice parallel parking for sure. So it it happens here as when you got a big empty lot. Even I think when Sears was open, they were still practicing uh, driving in there. So um, thanks for that weather report uh, for today. The rest of today, we're looking at a high of 28 degrees. It's going to be cloudy, like Charlie said, yep. all day long sunset is at 505 so we're after 5 p.m now uh we won't see a sunset before 5 p.m until like oh i don't know sometime in october i believe uh tomorrow our high is 25 degrees cloudy and a low of 14 monday we're gonna hit all the way up to freezing temperatures 32 degrees and a low of 12 cloudy continues on tuesday partly sunny maybe we'll see if the sun comes out a high of 29 and Wednesday, a high of 28, and we're back to the clouds. We do have a slight chance of snow uh, going into next week, um, at the end of next week, and we'll see if that happens. But uh, it looks like the uh, temperatures are going to drop to uh, a week from Monday. We're going to be in the negatives again for lows. I just see clouds, clouds, clouds on my phone for the next week. Where's the sun? Yeah. Uh, we See, that's what I like about Apple weather. 
is that one person's Apple phone is different than the other person's Apple phone when it comes to weather. <laughs> Currently in the Twin Cities, it is 22 degrees. Uh, and then uh, if people are wondering, wind gusts at 8 miles an hour. Oh. What's the barometric pressure? Do you, did you? Uh... Oh, you ask and you shall receive. The barometric pressure is uh, 30.15 inches and rising. I'm really into isobars. <laughs> it's an 86% humidity, too, so... It's it's a humid cold if people are wondering out there as as well. So, but visibility is nine miles. So, we have all that, and that's your uh, weather. Oh, your, I can see for miles. Yeah, and miles. Yes. Yeah, I like it when you can see, you can see the horizon. That's really all that matters. It's not too too bad out there as far as the fog is concerned. Um, as long as you can see all of the water towers and church steeples and all and all that stuff, Sears is still there. So. Um, but let's talk about a little bit, uh, Electric Beauty's album, uh, is available. Where can people buy it, uh, if they want to do that online? Is it available on your website? Yeah, there's a link, uh, on our website to Amazon. Okay. We, we don't have a Bandcamp site. Uh, maybe I should start one, but at this point we don't. So it's, it's available for those that, uh, that, that don't want to go to their local uh, record stores, which I would really urge you to do. It's available in almost every local indie store store in the Twin Cities area. Um, and but for anybody that's listening to this outside the Twin Cities, if you want to get a physical copy of the CD or or the vinyl, you'll have to get it off Amazon. All right, and then it's streaming uh, everywhere. I know oh, that. Yeah. I know it's on Spotify. It's on, it's on like forty different. This is was a this was quite a trip to me when I had to set everything <laughs> when I had to set everything up for the for the distributor, which is uh, this platform called CD Baby, which m- musicians will know what that is. But it goes out to there's like forty different global streaming platforms that this is on. Wow, forty. Yeah, forty. There must be some in some countries that we don't get here, is uh-huh. what I'm guessing. Yeah, names. Many of these names just did were like, huh? Where's this? Who's this going out to? Play <laughs> places in Southeast Asia, the Middle East, Europe. Um, I mean, the names that you've heard of probably. I mean, obviously, like, Tidal, Cuba's, um, Deezer, the French one, um, Spotify. I mean, the big ones, of course, Amazon, Spotify, blah, 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 YouTube. Yeah, Apple all Music, all but that it, stuff. But there were, there, were, there were a couple dozens I have never heard of. Sure. And there's no way, to, and I have no way to track that stuff. So I have no way to know. No analytics from everywhere. Uh-uh. Wow. No, the only place you really get the analytics from are, are from, like, the big five. Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. I, and I'm an analytics guy, so I like looking at numbers to see uh, – who's listening to my stuff. Um, and that of course goes back to my large ego. So <laughs> I, I really wasn't at first, but it sort of sucks you in. It does. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. And then you break it down. You're like, how many are under the age of 18? How many are 18 to 34? You know, and then, yeah, you can get, go down like a rabbit hole of analytics and it's we could just... use a few more 18 to 34s. <laughs> there you go. If you're 18 to 34, get out there and stream this thing. And you know how to use streaming yeah. services for sure. So, uh, it's the people like my age and older that want the the physical copies of everything. It's tangible when you can hold it. So uh, we still have a five disc CD player in my living room. Not a lot of the cars don't have CD players anymore, but we still are kind of old school in the living room of my house. We have that. We have the turntable. We have 
all sorts of ways to listen to it. No cassettes, though. I kind of wish we had a cassette player. Yeah, I don't have a cassette player anymore either. Yeah, and I know that some some artists are doing cassettes and mini discs, and I mean it's just. Um, I've seen albums on flash drives, you know, like the thumb drives on your computer. I've seen albums like that before, so that's a kind of a new thing. So, huh? So, like, just mar- the people are like are marketing music on dongles now. Yeah, pretty much. They just, you know, you, you take the the stick, your thumb drive, and you can put your album art, you know, miniaturize it, put it on there, just put your name on it, and people can just put plug it in, and you got your wave files, your MP3s right there. That would really be miniaturized artwork. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You definitely couldn't uh, couldn't get everything on there. You'd have to pick. It'd probably be just just your name right across the the top there. So, but but yeah, you would miss the artwork. The artwork is half the fun of everything, anyway. So, um, how many instruments, different instruments, do you play? And I know you mentioned the uh, the piano um, and some keyboards. But what was the first one you started on, and how many of them do you play? First one I started on was a piano. When I started taking piano lessons when I was 10 years old, and the only thing I really play are instruments with keys on them. Okay. I, re- I wanted to be a guitar player for a really long time, but I never, I never really, I mean, I dabbled in it, but I never really applied myself. So, um, and at a certain point in time, I thought, you know, if I start really learning how to play guitar, it's just, I'd rather just work at being a better, a better keyboard player. So... That's what I, that's what I started, you know, that's what I, that's what I kind of did. Yeah. And, and about, oh, back in the, back in the nineties, I really started to get into playing Hammond organ a lot. What's, what's that? A Hammond organ? Yeah. Oh, oh, a Hammond organ. Okay. I thought you said Hammond organ. And I was like, what's a Hammond organ? (laughs) Or Hammond cheese sandwich. I don't know. It's a Hammond B3. (laughs) <laughs> I have a Hammond B3 at home. Okay. Uh, and it's, yeah, I got really, I I had, had. I mean, they don't travel, let's put it this way, they don't travel well. Okay. <laughs> Pretty big, I take it, yeah. right? Are they heavy? Like <laughs> over 300 pounds. Oh, so just a little <laughs> bit of weight, you know, nothing nothing too big, right? It just, it uh, doesn't distract anybody and make it easy for load-ins and load-outs. So is that your favorite part of gigs? Loading in and loading out. Well, we don't gig. <laughs> well, when you when you gigged. <laughs> no, it was like no, it's not at all. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I've helped with that quite Drummer, a bit. It's the bane of drummers and keyboard players. <laughs> and lighting people, if you bring in an outside lighting yeah. person, I'll tell you that too. Um, what uh, what are the long term goals for Electric Beauty? Do you have more music? recording or writing then in another album coming up do you plan on playing gigs or uh, what what's the what's the strategy for oh what's our strategy for world domination yeah oh god um well there's still quite a bit of stuff that got left on the cutting room floor okay from from uh from the sessions for this so maybe if the stars align we'll be able to get back into a studio at in some point in time in the you know hopefully not too distant future we have not played together for for quite a long time during during because of due to covid mm-hmm. um and also unfortunately our guitar player wayne has been uh dealing with a health issue but he's been recovering from it so cautiously optimistic that sometime you know not you know in the sometime soon we will be able to start playing again and and recording 
As far as gigging, that's um, it's going to be a little bit tough because there's there's so many guitar parts on this record. Like we'd need like we'd need like Wayne would need to grow like about three, you know two more sets of you know, at least six hands to pull sure. some of the stuff off. And I'd need. I mean, there's almost every song in the record. Not everyone, but like at least half the songs in the record has both you know piano parts and Hammond organ parts on it. So I'd have to grow a couple new hands too. It's either that or find some uh, find some uh, ringers out there, some you know additional people to to get out to to pull it off. Right. You know to really do this music justice. Yeah, so the project when it was put together, gigging wasn't really part of the yeah. plan. Yeah, it was meant to be. Originally, it was just meant to be more like a songwriting workshop. Okay. And in in laboratory that we'd record with, and we didn't really have any designs to go out and and gig it. I mean, I think it would help our it help our exposure locally if we could play behind it. Right. <laughs> yeah, that always helps. Yeah, for it sure. would. So <laughs> so so we're. It's but now it's it's at this point it's more of a studio project. I really do hope that we can get back in and and start to, um, and start to record and and do and do more, and do more of that because there's I think there's plenty of gas left in the tank. Sure, yeah. It's obviously you know you guys are all songwriters and I'm sure there's a lot of song ideas that you want to get out there or at least work on and tweak and see what see what you can do with them. I'm sure, right? What is there any? Any songs from some of the other groups that you've all been in that you want to try to go back and, and tweak and change and, and make it Electric Beauties? Or is um, or, or is that kind of stuff in the past and now you're working on the stuff that you've already got going on? No, that's that's dead and buried. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Though I did just discover some songs that I... Um, that somebody found that I had done with, with a band back in the very early 2000s, uh, a group that I was in for maybe about a year and a half called, called the Watt Four. And unfortunately, the guitar player for that band, Steve Retzler, who was a great, great guitar player, passed away a few months ago. Mm. And I had not had any access to this music. I'd, for, I mean, well, I knew about it, but um, I hadn't heard any of it. Uh, um, and a friend of mine who was also in the, in, in the group and the bass player, Bob, Bob Johnson, discovered this. And recently he, he sent me some stuff of ours from, from some live gigs and uh, recordings from, from rehearsals. And there's a couple of originals of mine from, that were done back then. I don't think they're, frankly, I don't think they're, they're, they quite rise to the caliber of, of, of the songs that I wrote for Electric Beauty. However, the playing on them and the the vibe of the band and just the spirit and the energy is I was really I was really surprised how you know just how great just the ensemble sound was. They, these things really it's not at all like Electric Beauty. This is more of a of a blues and roots rock sort of sound. Sure, yeah. yeah. Take some so ideas what, and tweak them a little bit, maybe. Yeah, it's it's possible. But yeah. it's, it was it was interesting to hear about it, and it's, it's a great loss to learn that you know that that Steve is gone. He was just a really a um, wonderful guitar player. He used to play. He got to start playing in a in a, in a rockabilly band in town called uh, Stagger Lee. Okay. Um, what do you do when you're not playing music? When you're not writing music? When you're not thinking of music? What What is Charlie Pine or uh, Charlie Pine doing with, with his day? Oh, well, I've these days I I. I I play a lot of play a lot of records. Um, 
I'm a big I'm a big record collector, so I still spend a lot of time doing that. I'm not playing as much music as I probably should, uh, but there's mm, I'm retired, so I'm not <laughs> retired a few years ago. Nice, congratulations so on you. that. So I've um, mm, I managed to find things I managed to find things to keep myself occupied. Let's put it that way. Sure. What's your fa- favorite record that you own? Oh God! <laughs> oh stop! Okay. <laughs> Is there one that you don't own that you want? <laughs> uh, Too many? All of them? <laughs> there's there's a num- there there's a number of them that there's there's yeah there's still some that I have not gotten yet and that I'd like to get. But, sure. Um, I can't. I mean, my favorite record. It's like being to ask that that question <laughs> like. Ugh. What's, what are your favorite 10 records? Like, oh, God. It's like, <laughs> changes from week to week to month sure. to month. I'm, or is there one, one that you've been a, playing a lot well, in the I last played, week like, or two? Well, I just a couple days ago. Well, okay. So, I mean, I was saddened to hear a couple days ago that David Crosby died. Sure. Yep. And I dug out my original copy of, of uh, the first Birds album that I bought back in... This is going to date me, people, but um, <laughs> whatever. Uh, my original monocopy of the first Birds album that I bought back in the summer of 1965. Sweet. Yeah, the originals are, are nice. It's a little. It was a little worn, but it still plays great. Nice. Very good. I even remember where I bought it. Oh, where'd you get it from? Uh, this shop, it's this little shopping center. I, I grew up in Rochester. Okay. And I remember the store in, the, in, the sh- in this particular store. It was like an electronics and uh, home appliance store. That also sold sold records. Awesome, that's cool that uh, you can remember. Because uh, you asked me where I buy some of my records, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I just don't pay attention enough, I guess. Like I can, I know some shows that I got them from, but like specific record stores where I bought most of mine from, I don't know if I can even remember which store I bought them from. Well, I can't remember. Where, <clears throat> excuse me, I can't remember where I bought most of mine either. But there are right. some that you know, just for some reason, they. They stick in the they stick in my head, right? And that's just that's that's one of them. All right, well, Charlie, that's a really good record too. Thank you for coming in this thanks morning. For, thanks for having me in. That was a gas. Yeah, so we are on our way out here. Thanks for listening to the nine forty five show on WFNULP ninety four point one FM in St. Paul. Uh, Thanks for Charlie from Electric Beauty for coming in. Stream it. Buy the album at your local record store. Next week, we will have Kelly Smith on the show. Have a great weekend, everybody.